Righto, Beers and Banter, episode 19, former number one draft pick, All-Australian Demons legend, Jeff White. Let's, Howdy. let's rip in. <laughs> Jeff White, welcome to the Sweaty Box. Oh, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. No worries. Big Dilsey. Red, how are you, mate? Whitey, what's doing? Dilsey, how are you? Sweaty Box. First time to the Sweaty Box for Whitey. And it's a big occasion. I haven't had a beer. Uh, I did dry July or dry-ish July, so I haven't had a beer in a couple of weeks. So so 11.59 last night, you were celebrating? No, I didn't. I'm about to have my first one. You guys want to join me or what? I'll join you, yeah. Absolutely. That's fine. That's, fine. That's why we're here, Red. <laughs> I'll pass it down. Oh, the oh, stone and wood. Stone and wood. Lovely. No plugs? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, still waiting for a sponsor, hey, Stone we, and Wood. If we you get, give them plenty of mileage too on this show. Yeah. We're still waiting for the free cartons. But uh, these are left over from when we had um, Beat the Brewer. Yeah, lovely. You got my oh, bottle yeah. opener? Yeah, it's just At least you got there, the mate. red and blue for the red bottle opener. So Thursday night, a bit, bit, uh, bit different to the normal Monday, hey? Yeah, so uh, we missed it this week. I've, I've, I did a little um, offshoot. To project on Monday night, you might you might see in the coming weeks. <laughs> I'll keep an eye for it; it'll be good. Yeah, sure. no, uh, bit of drama on Monday night. You want to talk about that or not? Uh, yeah, the uh, the young fella Nixon, my uh, six year old, um, mad rugby league. All he wants to do is play rugby league. Um, yeah, scored a try and broke the collarbone. So um, six weeks in a in a sling. Um, I was pretty proud, first football injury, but I don't think the wife was as happy about it. But, um, yeah, won't be the – definitely the first, but won't be the last football injury. He'll be getting plenty of sympathy at school. He'll be right. Yeah, well, he's had a couple of days off, but um, which he's happy about. But, yeah, no, he's, he's all right. He's doing fine. So, obviously, Jeff, we'll get into stuff we want to really pick your brain about a lot of things tonight, but we usually do a bit of a run-through on, on the week that's been in sports. Uh, we usually kick off with with a bit of NRL. Big, uh, we're obviously Titans tragics around here, well, um, and we actually never have anything good to talk about with the Titans this year. <laughs> I'm I'm worried we still don't. I'm uh, I'm not convinced, and I think a lot of our uh, listeners have uh, tweeted or Facebooked in and said that they're not convinced. They're a bit surprised. This is supposed to be the last stand for the Titans, and once again they've I don't know picked a left field candidate that's. You know, some are saying, oh, he's got a high win record in, in the UK, but he's at a rich club with a good roster. He's got to come to a struggling club with a, a an out-of-form roster. And, um, yeah, I'm not convinced he's the guy. So they've selected a coach already. Yeah, yeah, so they announced the coach, Holbrook. Um, so he's an Aussie guy, been over in the UK. He's got, I mean, granted, he's got a, a pretty good, well, a very good record. Um, he's turned the club around that he's at now. We're basically... They have relegation over there. They're on, on the verge of being relegated. He's now got them, what have they won, 60 out of 76 games or something he's won. Um, but for me, and I know it's been said a fair bit, but I think the Titans, with where they're at and where they've been, they probably needed, and granted he's probably a good coach, but they probably needed more than just a football coach. Well, and I, I think Kevy was probably, for me, Kevy was the man that could actually promote the club, bring a bit of culture, Attract a few players. So the argument there is that he has got no NRL experience, which, granted, I did. I had my heart set on Kev Walters. 
I thought the profile, the corporate money that he would bring, uh, surely he demands respect. He's a six-time premiership winner as a player. He's a coach, QRL level, a uh, successful coach at the Catalans Dragons in the UK comp, uh, sat under Bellamy and Bennett for long periods. I thought he was the man for us, Queensland legend, but <laughs> he, I guess no different he doesn't have that nrl experience but I, th- I thought he was the guy and i think a lot i think the media has worked everybody up into a spin that kev was the guy you you had strong mail he was a guy yeah, everyone had that go yeah our <laughs> prediction <laughs> me me four they, weeks ago in the in the nrl i'm not at, like even though i live in, in queensland i don't yep. follow it all and you know that for, uh, i have no idea but do they have a process where they put people in place to actually select the coach like in the AFL right so St Kilda there's a few clubs that are going to go through the selection process they actually nominate five to six people who are designated people to select the coach that was the case is this what happens in the NRL so we've got Mel Meninga is the Australian rugby league coach yeah he is also the head of culture and performance for the Gold Coast Titans so (laughs) good title (laughs) sounds like my new one at work it's pretty good um so there was him, one of the owners, CEO. So there was, there was a group of people. There was a selection panel. But I saw a tweet today from a, from a local from Dom Loudon from Channel Nine that basically said that uh, Daryl Kelly had said it would have been BS to interview people for this role. So we had this had this perception yeah, right, that the okay. Titans were going far and wide for the coach, and we now know that they didn't approach Kev Walters. Uh, Anthony Griffin didn't get an interview. Uh, Craig Fitzgibbon didn't get an interview so they basically they went after Justin Holbrook so that's not really going far and wide for for the next coach well they're saying far and wide probably because of distance because he was in the UK because he's in the UK yeah, I, I think they had him pinpointed right from day dot yeah um, I mean he's got a massive reputation but yeah I, I was just sold on the fact that we needed someone to really bring more than just coaching the players how to play footy he spent time with Trent Robinson, and, and he's obviously got runs on the board, but Trent Robinson also coaches at arguably the richest club or one of the most yeah. most corporate-backed clubs in in Australia that we all talk about the salary sombrero that they use to to well, recruit and, their players. I mean, and, and he's up against it from day dot because the Titans have already come out and said that they won't they won't be doing a massive roster overhaul. Yeah, I saw that. They believe that the list they've got is is good enough. Uh, to be competitive, I, I actually don't mind. I, I, the the new owners have basically said, "Line in the sand. We're not playing because I don't know how it works in the AFL, but in the NRL, if you've got a guy on say nine hundred thousand, but he doesn't want to play for you anymore, sometimes they'll the the club that he's leaving will chip in money to his contract at the at the next club just to get him off their roster to free up that oh, amount okay. of cap space. The new owners have said, "We're not doing that. We're not paying people to play at another club," and I love that. I think it's you are the Put in for the club that's paying you, or you jog on and and uh, find find some money somewhere well, else. Us as the AFL community, we we are always staggered, and it was even throughout my career when someone could be playing for the Broncos next year, but they're playing with the Titans this year. Yeah, that always used to stagger us because we don't have that sort of doesn't happen at all. Doesn't happen in AFL. No, you you. It's only at the end of the year where you either switching clubs, you drafted, or you do the, tr- the trade window period. Yeah, and now they've got the mid season so the mid season trade, which is a pretty cool idea. But you don't you don't know where you're playing until the end of the year, unless you're contracted for a period of time, obviously. Yeah. Um, so that we 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 find that very staggering that 
that could be the case. Well, we, we spoke about too, Whitey, like earlier in one of the pods, but how these guys can play with a guy in their team that they know yeah. has already signed with another club for next year. How can you run out alongside that guy? Do, when they, do they do it in – like I'm a big NBA fan. They don't do an NBA. You're, you're playing one place one week and then you get the tap on the shoulder and you could be gone the next. Like but, it's but you're gone. Like you're, gone. You're, not, you're, not, you're not going like – It doesn't start next season. Yeah, like CP3 is playing at Oklahoma, but he's playing at Oklahoma next year. He's not yeah. at a different – Different. You do know what I mean. He's not at Oklahoma with the chance I don't, to I be don't a like it. Yeah. And being a professional athlete, you can comment this. I'm a, I'm a pure armchair speculator. The argument for me that oh, a player needs to know his future, to me, is rubbish because you create your future. The the money's good. Yeah. If if I'm working, so I'm going to put it in my terms. I work at Clipsal, a uh, big brand in Australia. If I decide I'm going to change brands, I don't get to do that 12 months in advance and say, hey, yeah, I'm coming yeah. to work for the opposition, but Clips, I'm, I'm staying here for another 12 months because yep. I want security. It's almost like insider trading. It, it, it is. There's playbooks. There's, there's you know, yeah. uh, health and nutrition. There's there's sports science that this club could be doing that that club's not. Mm. I, I, yeah, I, I've never got it. I'd rather see a trade window. So when they talk about June 30, I'd rather it's, righto, anyone not happy, this week is when you go. You're still going to get all the media, and you're still going to get all the hype. So Fox Fox gets their numbers, you know, the, yeah. the the audience. But July one, everyone's at the club they're going to be at for but the next. Even a coach can do that, can't he? Can a go? Can a coach in the NRL do the same thing? Or is it? They is normally it either just, just get place. sacked. Yeah, yeah, they don't generally go from from one place to the other and know that they're, it's only yeah. a speculation. Oh, is it? Des Hasler? Did he do that? When he left yeah, Manly I, the first time, I don't know, but you I mean you you go back early this year. There was the coaching merry-go-round they called it, where coaches, you know, Bennett changed, um, yeah. and that happened. But yeah, 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 I don't think coaches would coach um, or would sign with another. Well, maybe they do sign with another club when they're still. I'd, yeah, I I'd, can't remember it happening. I don't want to spend too much time on an NRL when we've got an AFL legend <laughs> in the studio. But my my concern is there that the Titans are now starting to talk about a five-year plan. And it's like, no, no, no. Members need some wins yeah. right away. Yeah. So I get it. The roster he's got. The roster he's got's not bad. It's just Garth Brennan couldn't make him get him to win. Yeah. We, we were sitting here at the start of the year. I've gone back and listened to our early pods going, hang in there, folks. It's all going to start to click. We're going to come good. This, this is the roster. And they've gone nowhere. So there is some fault there that he couldn't get him to fire. There's some, been some injuries and in that. So I, I expect to win more games next year than we do this year. And... I would hope we're pushing up into the eight. If no. I don't think we're going to win the premiership next year, but Titans fans need need something to mm. get behind. On that note, I haven't well, seen well, your son's jersey since episode three. No, well, it, uh, I started trying to look for it on Sunday afternoon about <laughs> five o'clock uh, when they hit the lead. They were 28 points in front against Essendon. Yeah. Um, Wadi, I don't know if you were, were you commentating that game. I was commentating. Yeah, they actually, actually it was actually good to commentate. They actually looked pretty good. Um, they played, yeah, they played well. They used the ball well, which they actually haven't been. I I, I commentated the Richmond game and what was the sec, uh, Adelaide game. So I coached both those games. Did any bets get dropped on the weekend? He got dropped last yeah. week. Yeah, and they end up losing to Carlton, which is a bit of a shame because the Carlton. Uh, Carlton as a fan group sort of build it up as the last time they'll see Eddie, but now there's speculation that Eddie, now being dropped, might go back to Carlton next year. Really? Which I wouldn't mind as a which I wouldn't mind actually. Yeah. So there's a bit of speculation going on there, but 
So I watched the Suns versus Richmond, which was terrible. Well, it was 90 to whatever at halftime. They sort of repeated the same thing with Adelaide. But at least on the weekend, they not only had a crack, but they used the ball better. Um, so in, in AFL terms, you lower your eyes, you hit your target and you, you hit the presenting player instead of just bombing it all the time. Because once you've got the ball, there's no point giving it back to the opposition and kicking it away. You want to be able to direct it. That's why the skill is... You know, so but luckily for the AFL, because there was a goal disallowed by Zacharakis in the third quarter, <laughs> which was a, a foot over the line, and the, and one of the Suns players has basically put his hand well, in at least a, at least a foot. Yeah, foot inside saw that, the yep. goals. He's tapped it back, and they've called play on. Now with ninety seconds to go, the Suns are up by three points. Now if they had a held on to the lead. Gil McLaughlin, who's the CEO of the AFL, he was actually at the game. It would have been a nightmare. It would have absolutely been a nightmare. And the, and the thing is, the top seven is so close. Yeah. You know, where they're, where they're sitting on the ladder. So, yeah, it would it have been... It could have been diabolical. It would have been diabolical. But one of the things we did mention on the, on the, on the actual broadcast was that there's been, there's been many games this year that have been decided by really short... Margins under ten points, yep. and one in particular was the was the Melbourne game, which we were commentating earlier. year. Melbourne won by a point. The reason why those sides have been able to come back so quickly in a short space of time is because of our six six six. Yeah. Now, if you think about last last year, for however long it's been, if you're up by three points, you put all your players behind the ball. Yeah, ball goes out of the centre. Doesn't matter. You got heaps of numbers. Can't do that now. You have to set up six six. Oh, it's like netball and six. Yeah, you have to yeah, stay right. in your positions. So with the 90 seconds to go, Essendon got out of the centre goal, mm. which was by uh, Hooker, and then um, the package, which Jake Stringer got out of the centre goal um, from about 80 metres. Now, if we had a, we, if if you had a flooded, that wouldn't have happened. Both yeah. those occasions would happen. Yeah, so it's really it's it's. So do you think it's a good rule or, or I not? I think it's a good rule. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, okay. good rule. So Waddy, as a now that you're a local Gold Coast local, been up here I don't know how many years now. Um, and Ten we, years. Ten years, is it? And we, you know, we talk about it regularly. But you know, both the Suns and the Titans, as as our local Gold Coast teams, what, and you've been involved with the Suns before. What, what do you think they need to do moving forward to? Because I mean, to be fair, they they've been a bit of a basket case since they've been in the AFL. Yeah, and, and and we've touched on it. You know, like Gold Coast is a fickle place for sporting teams. Yeah, and if they're not winning games, it's unlike Melbourne, as you know, that you know, Carlton have been. Cellar dwellers for a few years now, and they still get big crowds to the game. Their supporters still follow them. What What do the Suns need to do? Well, on the crowd perspective, like the MCG, you can drive the MCG. It's arguably probably the greatest stadium in the world. You can drive there. There's parking. Yeah, there's parking. On-site parking. Yes. You Me can drive. What, what a bizarre it, concept! You People can want to drive, drive their car. to the G. And yeah. the beauty yeah. about that is he's that only I'm driven there as a player. A bit easier to park there when you're a player. Yeah, yeah. We we go under, underneath, but there's there's parking. I was yep. there uh, several weeks ago for the Fremantle versus Melbourne. People yep. driving in to park at the MCG. Yeah. You can't park unless you got a VIP blue card. Yeah. Everyone else has to get public transport. Now the beauty about footy is that you get the scarf, you win, you hang it out the your window, away you go. Well, so that's the disadvantage here from a crowd perspective. The thing. And I don't want to do everything the same as America, but one thing they do really well is sport. Oh. <laughs> you go to a baseball game and you're entertained for the hours that you're there. Yeah. 
NFL, they ha- I'd love to see a tailgating type scenario. Yeah. In 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 the NRL or the AFL, like how good would that be? You go, yeah. you cook a barbie, and then you head into the ground. Yeah. And what annoys me, there's been so much spare spare land around the, particularly the Titans, but even at Carraro, you've got yeah. the all the car parks across the road. There's no reason you couldn't have an event like that. You put your flag up, you have get the barbie out. Well, the issue is that. Like, I know I've got three kids. I wouldn't be taking public transport to go to the footy. I want to drive, and then the game's finished. You want to have the security of your car. So, so my argument is if I've got to drive from here to to the bus pickup zone, I'm driving. You just want to drive. I'm just going to drive to the stadium. You, you just know? want to yeah, drive yeah. the stadium. And so my argument, and I've said this on radio, um, is that it's the greatest stadium arguably in the world, MCG, yep. you can drive there. Yes. What's the beauty about Metricon? Like, it's a good stadium. Yeah. Well, why? You know? And that's why we get the crowds. Uh, I know Gold And it's Coast in the middle of town too, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you can walk it straight out of the city centre across the road. That's right. Yeah. So that's my argument on that. In relation to players, in relation to on-field sort of stuff, look, you go back over 20 years and the best sides that have won or been up there in the top four, say, or even won flags have had a spine. Yeah, a strong spine. So that's full back, a full forward, yep. and a good midfield. Suns need to focus on that. The other side, cut the other parts, the wings, the half forwards, the forward pockets, all that, the back flankers. They all sort of come in, and you can even, you know, you look at some of the half back flankers that go f- f- um, with Adelaide, right? Yep. The Crouches and the stuff like that, you know, and Dylan's well aware of those players, but they could be midfielders. Hmm. They would be in any side and be a midfielder, but they use the ball so well off the half back. And why has Hawthorne been so successful over the last 10 years? Because they've had left-footers and really good players use the ball off the half-back, but they're actually midfielders. So you can mix that up, but you've got to have the spine. So for you, in in rugby league terms, that's obviously your half-back, your hooker and your full-back. Which Melbourne, the Storm, have done so well for how many years now? Yep. That you sort of build your team around that spine is is what we're saying. So... You, you can't d- you can't tell me the Gold Coast is not the perfect place for an athlete to live. Oh, it is. We've got world class. We've got some of the best swimmers in the world have come out of the Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah. Triathletes base themselves here. Yeah. Footy players end up living here. You've got V eight supercar drivers. You know, world class uh, motorbike riders. You've you've got you know golfers. All, they all the golfers want to be here. Why can't we get? the top footballers in Australia to come and live on the Gold Coast. Oh, we did, we did with Gaz. Uh, but he didn't want to be here. That's was, an argument. Oh, look, it's because uh, because the on-field. He's the on-field. Like, he yeah. loves living here and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. There was no question about that. Look, yeah, it's 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 a hard one. Look, when I lived in Melbourne playing footy, y- you you felt like you are in a little bit of a, a fishbowl and then everyone knew who you were. were yeah. But... It was such an adrenaline run, rush when you played a good game, I tell you. If you played a bad game, you wanted to hide. Yeah. So it was the ups and downs, all that sort of stuff. So you'd strut down the street. Yeah, yeah. You, it, it, it's, but you don't get that here. You would not get that here. Yeah. And I guess, you know, look at Tom Lynch, for instance, right? He's been up here for six years when he left. I mean, he wouldn't go anywhere in Melbourne without being, like, he's a tall lad, you yeah. know, blah, blah, blah. So he would never experience that in his life. Now, is that making him play better footy? You don't know. Yeah. Okay. But if you play a good game here, you go down to Pack Fair on a Monday. Still anonymous. No one knows you. You yeah. want to have that little bit of recognition, I reckon, and you get that in Melbourne. Yeah, like okay. I, I still get it when I go to – I've been out of the game for 10 years. But not that I go to Melbourne a lot, but they love the AFL. Mm. Love their players. Well, you know, it's, yeah, it's like a religion down there. I it's mean, a, Yeah. So that's why it's probably 
Yeah, and we start, we tend to get a few of the old players. But I th- going back to on field, they've got to get the spine. They've got to get you know they've got Wright and Day up forward. This King's going to be a good player. Wears a good number, by the way. But they've got to get you know Took Miller's a good midfielder. They've got a good got to get a good centre half back and a good full full back. Get yep. that spine happening, and I think you know just sort of straightens them up a little bit. Do, do you think they're on the right track? Like, can you see some? Oh, I saw some. I mean that. I saw some positives at the start of the year, the way they moved the ball and the way they were defending. But you need a high energy to do that. Yep. And you've got young kids, you're going to break down, you're going to have some injuries. Yeah, I just feel that at the end of the day, you got to. I reckon I would like to see the Suns go really hard in trade period this year. Just really go after some key position players, some really quality players around that 25, 28. Yep. Instead of just going for youth all the time. And I hear what you're saying, oh, we've got a five-year plan for the Titans. You know, the Suns fans are over that as well. And the, the, the AFL is too. The AFL spent so much money. Mm. And look what GWS has done. Well, they started the year behind them. And that's what everyone always comes and compares the Suns to the to the Giants and yeah. how well they've done. for They've yeah. been in the comp the same period of time, all by one year. Yep. But the GWS went after someone like Ahe Shaw, right? He's yep. been all Australian with them as well. Yep. He's just played his 300th game last week. Now, why can't the Suns go after, I'm not saying you go after an Eddie Betts, but why don't... Well, they, well they, they could. Isn't there talk of Burgoyne? Yeah, well, he, but... He's 37-year-old. Yeah, but, but you know, I'm not saying you get... Maybe you get... Yeah, I don't know. But do you know what I'm, what I'm yeah. trying to say is you need to get for some Gotta need experience. A, you need a mix. You can't just, they can't be all youth because who's teaching the youth how to play footy? At the end of the day, you can't buy experience. Yeah. You cannot buy experience. Right. You know? Oh, that's what Brisbane did with Hodge. Well, I want to go deeper into your career, but we'll cover off a couple other hot topics before we get into that. It's a big night in sport tonight. Uh, <laughs> Ashes. Get the crystal set out. Can't wait. I love it. First day, first test of the Ashes in England. And uh, our three favourite players, Smith, Bancroft, Warner, yeah, could well, be lining up in the slips together. Well, they, yeah, I mean, just before we went to air, they hadn't announced the, the side, the starting yep. side, but from all reports, Bancroft is going to be recalled. Yep. Um, which, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's done his time and... And I've I've watched a few interviews since, and you know, he's remorseful of what he did, and it was a big mistake. I think he'd be good to get back in the side. How's his form been? With who's he been playing with? Oh, I think he's been playing over there. He's been playing some county, county cricket, cricket and making runs. He made some runs in the intra trial or the inter club, whatever you want to call it. Match the other day, Australia few, against Australia. Few hard done by Joe Burns. Going to miss out. Yeah, Burns. Um, the, yeah, and there's also talk that Stark won't make the side for the first test. Um, obviously, Pattinson's already been guaranteed he'll be back in. So he hasn't played a test for... Pat- Pattinson on fire. How good would that... Just steaming in that. Yeah, good I to mean... See. Quick. It, it, yeah. It, when he was fit, going back three or four or five years ago, I mean, he was a match winner, wasn't he? Yeah. Right? So hopefully he'll do all right. And then Siddle, the talk of Siddle... Um, Siddle being recalled back in that's, the side. That's so, phenomenal. Um, hell, he's about 45, isn't he? Well, he'd be getting close. <laughs> be getting close. Um, but, you know, he's another one that hasn't played for Australia for... The Barmy Army are going to have some good material lined up, no doubt. Uh, I just hope Smith, Warner and Bancroft, like, just pull their strides down, moon them, just take that. <laughs> and they'll, they'll drop and the sandpaper Just, just come out and make Do a thousand runs each. Surely some of their lyrics in the Barmy Army is going to incorporate their names in it. Yeah, we were talking about last time we were there, they had the old Sonny Bill face masks on and uh, whatnot, so uh, God knows what they'll be doing this time around, but... Uh, Exciting. It's going to be good. Yeah. We'll go deep on that over the next couple of weeks. What else we got? I don't know. Uh, there's a bit of golf on the weekend. So the golf, and obviously Whitey's a mad golfer, but the golf's starting to heat up now. The playoffs are just around the corner. 
um, FedEx next week. FedEx Cup starts. So we haven't seen you in the studio since the Open. We needed Scotty to t- finish top 20. No, I don't think to he get finished the multi. top 80. I don't think he finished top 80, did he? <laughs> Um, yeah, rough week for Scotty, but um, I needed him because I I put a bet on him about twelve months ago to win it. Yeah, well, you won't be cashing that one in. No, but uh, yeah, Brooks Kepka, look, unbelievable how, how good a year, well, how good a two years he's had. Um, he won the WGC event last weekend. I actually read, I don't know whether you saw this, Wadi, but that there's a big thing about um, the way Kepka, I guess, addresses his game and his attitude and everything else, and. Prior to the last round where he was two behind McElroy, he actually turned up to the course about a half an hour before. And one of the someone in the press said, Oh, what's going on? We're worried that you're gonna miss your teeth on and he goes, I'm here, I'm warm, I'm ready to go. He doesn't get the Sunday. He use. just you know, and that's that goes against everything that all these other guys are doing and you know, they're going to the gym and they're turning up. He's still going to the gym though, he's still working out, but, yeah, that, but you that know, that that's their, their their preparation and their you know their yeah. attitude, I guess, towards what they're trying to do against him is the polar opposite. But it's it's funny that that he's saying that because I put it in AFL ter- terms, and they said that Gary Ablett Senior never trained. Mm. He'd go there and muck around, and he was a bit of a pest, yeah. right? Go out and kick eight, fourteen. He was arguably one of the best to ever play. Yeah, Favola was the same. Favola would, you know, just had a layback attitude. He still do his weights and still do what he needed to do, but it wasn't at the intensity that everyone else yeah. was trying to do. They but say then he'd Steve, go out. Steve Renoff for the Broncos used to, d- as soon as the training got a bit hard, he'd get crook in the guts and he'd disappear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that's just that's the makeup of those sort of guys. But you know, but it shows a lot about the mindset, doesn't it? Like yeah. He just I mean, he's just got confidence. 100% belief and confidence. And yep. yeah, he knows that at the end of the day, it's, it's, he's going out there just to play golf and. And you know, and you don't want to think too much too. Yeah. Sometimes, we we you know, I love my golf. Sometimes golfers can be too technical on what they're trying to do. And yeah. at the end of the day, your your, your muscle memory's there. Yeah. However you train, it's there. You just got to play with it. That's what it felt like for me Tuesday on the course. <laughs> no muscle memory. <laughs> just. <a shoo. laughs> yeah. So anyway, there's uh, was well, four weeks left. Basically, the tour now um, leading up to the tour championship. So. There's some good good golf over the next month or so. Yeah. All right, I'm going to race through the next couple of topics. I think they've been done to death, but we got we got a swimmer protesting against drugs in sport at the same time as we've got a swimmer testing positive, testing positive mm-hmm. and being sw- ushered out the back door. Doesn't sit well. A bit of a looks makes Australia look funny in my opinion. But I don't know if we've done that's been done to death in the mainstream media and we need to cover it. But I just thought it was. I just hope she's like it's. What's her name? Shana Jack. Shana Jack. Jack yeah. I just hope for from the mindset. I hope she's okay. Yeah, that's a good call. Because she's going to be under a fair bit of pressure. Yeah, I think she'll be she'll be in hiding for a while. I mean, she's yeah. back in the country now, but I hope she just got good support around her because, yeah, that's you. You know, you, one you don't want to obviously see cheats in the game if she's proven innocent yeah. or whatever it is. But the other other side, you want at the end of the day, it's you know. She's saying tainted supplements or something like tainted something. Yeah, yeah. Do you believe that? It's professional athlete. You don't know. Everything that goes passes yeah. these lips. Yeah. It's not. Well, I mean, I, I remember Whitey back when you were playing and a couple of off seasons and you'd be up at our place, whatever. And he, like, he, you wouldn't even take Panadol. You wouldn't. Everything that went into his system is, yeah. you know, it's, and that's part of, that's part of their job. That's part yeah. of being an athlete. But hard, hard to imagine that, 
Yeah, she didn't know about but it's it. But al- it's also the responsibility of the doctors too because I used to have a, have him on speed dial, yep. you know, my doctor. You know, can I take this? Can I take that? You know, because you can't, as an athlete, you can't just go to the local chemist and go, hey, I want to get X, Y, and Z, which yep. is, which anyone can get. You know, you can't, because any, any, uh, a- any indication that's in your system, it's, uh, you know, it's a fine line. Yeah. Uh, I just had here Ricardo, beers and banter favourite, uh, Daniel Ricardo, another DNF on the weekend. He was using an engine from the start of the year. Big things, hopefully this weekend, he's going to a fresh engine that so they've been saving for this round. He's like the Titans. He's going to come good eventually. <laughs> the DJR Team Penske have taken out the uh, team championship. Anyway, brush that. What We're here today. <laughs> we want to we we hear all about your career. I want to take you back. Uh, it was a question that came in from a uh, loyal listener today. He, he wanted to know how it felt, and I think you touched on it before, as a young fella, Melbourne boy, and you end up in Fremantle from number one draft pick, so that's big in itself, but you end up, you, you're shipped across town. D- do you like the fact that, you know, it's a bit of a lottery where you're going to end up, or was it tough, or...? No, not at all. I, I, look, I had only been to Sydney, so I'd never been to state. As I, that's as far as I had been from yep. my, my parents. But as I see, keep saying to my son Kalani and my other boys as well, is that it doesn't matter where you play. I always, I, I always said too, I'd play on the moon to play AFL. I mean, you play AFL. Yeah, that's right. You, you play anywhere, and it didn't worry me one one bit. You know, I my you know everyone said, oh, there's pressure of being number one. I knew eight weeks before the draft. I'd sign eight weeks before. You can't do that now, but. <laughs> So we went to draft com- combine, and uh, which is the first in 1994. Actually, was so, so you knew eight weeks before I you were going I'd number already, one. Already signed, and they Fremantle already knew that they had first draft pick. Yeah, because they were new in the competition. Yeah, okay. Oh right, like GWS or yep. Gold Coast Sun. Um, so we went to the draft combine, which is 94. Is that Waverley was the first ever draft combine, and I got room with Jason Nakamanis, and it soon turned out that Jason had already signed with Brisbane anyway. And I had already signed with Freo. So the reason why we were in the same room is because no other coach. Like we had, we had, uh, there's a period, there was, it was funny actually. We had the, uh, we had this uh, lunch and lunch was to talk with, there was Kevin Sheedy, there were all the coaches and all that sort of stuff were there. And um, that was an opportunity for coaches to actually introduce themselves to all the draftees. Well, it was just me and Jason. <laughs> 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 there was no one else. <laughs> Everyone knew that, you know, what was going on. So, um, it didn't phase me one bit, you know. I wanted to play AFL, and and that was it. So, um, so so post draft, obviously, what, how long then before you, you you head over to Perth to? Well, actually, that day, I don't know if I've, I don't know if you, I don't know if I've told you this story, but I was in a, involved in a car accident on the day I was drafted. So it was a pretty serious car accident. Yep. So what happened was I had all the draft party stuff organised, all the invites, and so in the morning we whipped up to to Carlton or South Melbourne, wherever the draft was, pick number one, blah, 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 go and have an interview, go back. I go back to school, so I changed in my school gear on the way home in the car or way back to school, and I realised I didn't have my um, my invites. So one of the girls, she just got her licence, so she said, I'll drive you home. So as it, we're coming back, um, she lost control, we hit a pole. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, uh, so, um, so it might not have eventuated. Uh, thankfully, everyone was okay, but... Pretty much finished school, packed my stuff up, and I was training within uh, within two or three weeks. So, but prior to that, I had to do a lot of training. So, yeah, happy. Yeah, I'm, 
Double so, park now. Sorry, I'm, I'm, for, <laughs> I'm so <laughs> thirsty. It's been weeks. Drink. You haven't had a drink for a month. It's been a while. So, uh, but yeah, we straight into it, and um, yeah, it was great. Oh, look, when I went over there, all I wanted to do was earn the respect of the players and uh, and just get involved in that environment of being AFL. You know, just just Do actually getting my first stuff and having that AFL logo. Yeah. I know my son looks at the footy and sees the AFL logo and then actually putting that on was, was pretty special. And then be able to... So, so first game, what, round one for Frio, was it? No, I didn't play the first round. So uh, Frio, a brand new into the comp, brand first new year. In the comp. Yeah, my first game was, uh, first ever game was round five or six, I think it was. We played Fitzroy at Witten Oval. So, um, Fitzroy? Yeah. And, um, yeah, so uh, first kick, I was end up being in the first kick, first goal. Uh, you know, it, it just happens so often. Yep. Straight into the ruck or? No, nah, I was playing up, playing up forward. So, tackled a guy. Actually, at the start of the game. You tackled? Yeah, I did. I like to tackle. Come on, man. You know, I was a good <laughs> tackler. Um, actually, at the start of the game, my, all my friends and family, because it was in Melbourne, they went to the one particular end, but they didn't know where the toss of the coin was going to be. So, I was in the first quarter, ended up going to the same end and kicked it straight through. It was good. Awesome. So, so that, that first year at Freo, obviously a new club, was what was that like? Yeah, it was good. It was uh, – uh, Who was who coached them then? It was Jared Neesham. Yeah. So Jared Neesham was the coach for three years, well, the whole time I was there. But Neil Donahue was my assistant coach. At Freo? At Freo. Wow. So that's where the connection to Melbourne eventuated. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that no, was good. The weather was great. I had my surfboard in the car every – like we drive down – I lived – North of Perth, so it was a bit of about half an hour down to Frio. So yep. drive down, surf on the way home. Drive down, surf on the way home. Do you think the draft works in the AFL? Certainly. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, but I know with the like you were saying before the Titans, there could be a chance next year. It's for us uh, uh, AFL people. It's quite extraordinary that year on year it sort of flips. Like I know Melbourne Storms probably been yeah you know been up there the whole time. Yep. But. I find it quite staggering that it flips so so quickly in the NRL. You can yeah. finish bottom and the next year you're in the eight. Although you know? there has been some <coughs> some some teams that have just <coughs> sorry consistently been there. Melbourne being one of them. Yeah. And that's maybe systems. Everyone used to think it was salary cap rorting, but yeah, you know, they've lost all those guys and they're <laughs> still they're still they're yeah. still up there. So that's uh, obviously coaching. The Roosters they do rort the salary cap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You got. Uh, I made the the argument the other week. It used to be the Broncos, and they went within a whisker in 2015. But they haven't won a comp since the the Titans come in. And my argument there maybe is that back when I was a young fella, pretty yeah. average footy player, but I, I was lucky enough to play some with some really good footy players. And I remember when they were about 14 or 15, they were already getting around in Nike boots. If you're getting around in Nike boots back then, white, white ones. Well, some of them had the white ones, but yeah. they they were on they were had that had come to footy training in their Bronco shorts and that sort of they were, they were on the early contracts right. and uh, you know that's been the case for a long long time that the Broncos once a kid's 13 or 14 they're stitched up uh, the Titans up until this year have taken an approach that they're not going to sign anyone under the age of 16 and what it's meant is we're losing all those young, all those young kids are getting signed at yeah. the Broncos yeah, but yeah. they still haven't had just the, the open slather on southeast Queensland for a little while so I'm wondering whether that's maybe thinned their stocks a little bit well, that's why the AFL's brought in the academies. Yeah. Well, more, more in particular for Brisbane uh, and the Sydney clubs, Gold Coast, and now uh, the other clubs are getting because back in back in my day, so if I was born, I was born in seventy seven. If I was born in seventy six, I would have played St Kilda. Right. 
So back the zoning was that particular way. So yeah, okay. So my my area was Robert Harvey, um, you know, uh, Nathan Burke, Stewie Lowe, all those great players in Kilda. They were in my area. Yep. So um, and that sort of got taken out because of the draft. Obviously, the draft came into play. Oh, the draft was ninety, I think, was the first draft. I think I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but um, yeah. So that's even it up. But now the academies are coming in. So. What's happening a lot is, and you've seen over the last couple of years, the academy's coming in and they're grabbing the father-son kids as well. Yeah. So there's a bit of a bit of a competition with that. So uh, yeah. So it's they're, they're obviously trying to get the kids early and see how they go from there. Yeah, right. So moving forward from Frio, have Frio won a comp? Was the next question no, I had. They're, but they've played off in a flag, but they got beaten by is that Hawks? No, Hawks maybe. Hawks, yeah. How many teams in the in the AFL haven't have never won a comp? Uh, so there's there's obviously well, the Bulldogs. GWS. No, Bulldogs. St Kilda. St Kilda's only won one. Yeah. That was in '66. Um, so you've got GWS, Gold Coast Suns, Freo haven't won. Yep. Um, is that three? Who else? I'm missing one there. Am I missing one? No, Sydney's one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's only only a couple. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Yeah. I think in the gu- it's Titans and Warriors, and that could be it. Yeah. Right. In okay. the NRL. Yeah. No one else. No, that's it. Can't think of one. Because the Sharks got up earlier. Yeah. So obviously post Frio, um, and it was well publicised at the time that. Yeah, it was a massive signing for you to come back to Melbourne. At what point did in your Freo career did you did you sign with Melbourne and you know, what was that like? I mean, uh, Melbourne are obviously a massive, famous club, a lot of history behind them. Yeah. Uh, well, but was that your preferred club to go back to, or was that just the way it worked out? No, I came down to three clubs. So I saw, I spoke to every club in Melbourne uh, when I initially decided that I was going to leave Freo. They uh, they thought I was that through Frio. They thought I was going to Richmond. They th- they had that all locked signed. They already had the drafts, set, the the trades picks, all that yep. set up. So, but it came down to Richmond, Collingwood, and, and Melbourne in the end. And I guess what what sort of was in favour of Melbourne was there was a couple of things. Neil Danaher was appointed coach. That made it a bit easier. My junior coach was appointed assistant coach. So there's a few ticks there. Too many teeth to play for Collingwood. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, uh, probably <laughs> didn't wear the moccasins either. <laughs> um, now Collingwood's presentation was good, and so was Richmond. I mean, they both presented. They both presented, which is which is quite funny. It's like, you know, you you know, I, I, I remember back. I was out playing golf, and Dad's ringing me saying Richmond's coming the footy. Uh, Richmond's coming home tonight to present to you. It was quite, it was quite weird. Um, so, but uh, yeah, yeah, in the end, I, I I felt that Melbourne had been through the whole journey. They'd sort of. And the guy who actually recruited me to Frio was now the recruiting officer for Melbourne. Yeah, right. On. So everything was sort of falling into place. Yep. And turned out my pop, uh, who passed away my first year at Frio, he was a mad demon supporter. So there was a lot of things that fought it, yep. fell into place. Anyway, so they won four games in 97. We played off in a prelim in 98. So everything sort of went really, really well, smoothly. Yep. And I, I felt that, um, you know, um, it was, it was uh, the, way they, the way they approached all that sort of stuff was quite professional. It was good. Good fun. Very good. And then 200 and what was it? 270 something games, like 260 games later for them? 268. No, I played 32 for Freo two and then played 230. 236 or whatever it was for uh, for Melbourne. So yeah. Yeah, so it was good fun. And we 
had some up downs. Like we won the made the prelim in '98 and didn't make the finals in '99. Yeah, made the grand final in 2000. Didn't make the finals in 2001. Made the finals in 2002. Didn't make the finals in 2003. Yeah, made the finals in four oh four oh five oh six. Did make the finals in oh seven and oh eight. Wow. So I was a bit up and down. Yeah, but yeah, I was fortunate to play in a grand final. Uh, played in 15, 16 finals. That's what you play footy for. Yeah, and that was the eye opener for me. I particularly in that that first year in ninety eight. You know, you go into training and there's thousands of people at training. It's awesome. It's a good feeling. Played with some awesome players. I mean, it, you know, Neats and obviously yeah, Steins was, was at the club for yes, a bit when Steins you first went. Steins was at the club. Todd Viney, um, David Swartz, David Neats. Uh, you know, the list goes on. The players that I played. You know, uh, David Neats was. See, when I first moved to. Uh, Melbourne, I was living with my mum and dad in Frankston. It was just a bit too far away with training. Commitment there sort of skyrocketed. It went from so almost 97 to 98, became professional. So you're at the club every day. Yeah. And it was just too far. And Nita grabbed me one, one day after training. said, come and live with me. I'm by myself. So I lived with him for three years. And in our 2000 year, we had there was Jeff Farmer, David Neitz and myself living in the same house in 2000. So that was pretty crazy. But, uh, you know. We'll keep those stories <laughs> yeah, off there. A lot of good stories <laughs> in that. But, uh, no one listens, mate. You can share whatever you <laughs> like. <laughs> uh, so it was good. It was good, that sort of camaraderie to live. And then we had, you know, Stephen Tingay, Paul Hopgood and Russell Robinson just living around the corner. So there was just six six of us. And 3199, I think it was, was our postcode. That was our that was our symbol. And um, get it was good fun. Get it tattooed anywhere, 3199? No, well, I did say if, I, we, if we won the flag, we would have got a tattoo. We had yeah. it all penciled out. That was our goal. But didn't eventuate. <laughs> So it sounds like a pretty good lifestyle. You've, you know, bachelor pad, all playing professional footy, living the life, all Australian, number one draft pick. Dylan tells me you suffered one of the most horrific injuries in <laughs> AFL yeah, history. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it was just one of those things. I was pretty good with my, um, always found as a kid I was pretty good with, the lateral vision. That's why I, I, you can't tell because you're still way better looking than Dylan. Yeah, so yeah. Well, they, 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 they sort of. That's because they rebuild his whole face. <laughs> yeah, they had to rebuild. Maybe someone should have kicked you in the face <laughs> when you were younger. Uh, they had to rebuild the whole thing, but uh, yeah, I got kicked just just on my. Um, what, what year was that? That was that was 2005. So it was a final in front of 70,000 people. I still remember, and it was what three weeks before you went, four weeks before your wedding. Four weeks before the wedding, but um, ironic. Like this is what you talk about the ups and downs. So two weeks prior. Round 21, round 22. No, it was round 21. So we uh, we had to play Bulldogs at the G. Yeah. We win, we're in the finals. Yep. They win, they're in the finals. That's how Big stakes. Yep. So they win, they're in, we're out. We win, we're in. We win, we're in the finals, they're out. So you're, it's basically semi-final football. Yeah, 30 minute, 31 minute mark, I get a free kick, kick it from outside 50. Done, we're in the finals. Two weeks later, I get my head... Caved in the highs and lows. So, so for those so that <laughs> those that don't remember or haven't seen it, you go and Google Stephen King, Jeff White, and you can watch it on YouTube. It, it's yeah. horrific. But I I remember watching the game live, um, and to paint a picture, it's a, it's a boundary throw in. So the umpire throws it in. Yep. Whitey and Stephen King in the ruck contest. The ball hits the deck. Yep. And Stephen King just basically goes to kick the ball off the ground. At the same time, Whitey's put his head down over the ball to pick it up. How many weeks would he get for that nowadays? No, he didn't get any weeks. He ended up playing. And he ended up playing in that famous uh, – he ended up doing it again the next week. And it didn't connect. 
but it was very similar. I mean, but it, would he get weeks for it now, though, kicking when your head's over the ball or not? You would, yeah, well, see, what happens with a bandage throw, and normally it sort of go the our ball is all over the place, so it's like rugby, I guess, but but this particular state, it just bounced perfect like that, right in front of me, and he yeah. was on my right-hand side. So I was pretty good with all that sort of stuff, but this come from... Uh, and and I was, I, all I was doing was focus on the ball and it just went whack. There was a full-blooded, full yeah. swing. Well, we'll put it, to paint the picture, he wore a shin guard and it's, uh, the force was so hard that his shin guards broke. Apologies? And Did he buy you a beer or anything? No, he rang me, but uh, I couldn't talk to him because my mouth was still <laughs> pretty much Jeez. wide. I mean, I, I've heard guys, and, and you could even hear it come through the TV, the actual the noise of the impact was out of control. But there's people that... I've since heard and read that we're at the MCG that day and they could hear it from sort of 20, 30 rows back in the grandstand. Yeah. Just the impact. That's nasty. And then I remember seeing Whitey, I don't know, maybe a week later or something. I I come up to the Gold Coast. And, um, yeah, it was – I mean, he had – would you have screws? I still got – I got 14 14 screws and five plates just in that one area. Yeah. They basically had to rebuild his yeah. So, but it was. Area. I can tell you, doctors are no tradesmen either when it comes to oh. using screws and power tools. Crazy, yeah. But they had to rebuild it. But it, um, I guess it, for all your listeners out there in relation to contact sport, if it wasn't for my mouth gut, I would have lost all my front teeth. Oh, there you go. Because basically, what they what they found was that my mouth guard had actually held. That was the only thing that it held together. Held it all in place. Yeah. So that and held my teeth in that structure. There you go, kids. Where your mouth going? Right. So before we move on to post football, one thing, and, and just you know, a lot of listeners would know, um, and you spoke about him earlier, but Neil Danaher, obviously everyone knows yep. that yep. The, what he's going through now with MND. But maybe touch on, you know, well you've seen him yeah, recently, so and obviously Neil's was involved in my career the whole time. So when I was drafted at Freo, assistant coach. And then uh, the senior coach for eleven years at Melbourne, and um, yeah, he's suffering motor neuron disease, which is which is which is terrible. But throughout his throughout being a coach, he was always one who was very uh, very very selfless. He's always worried about us. He's always worried about the footy club. Always worried about the fans. Never about him. And and that's exactly how he's portraying it right now. I mean, they raised was it another four and a half million dollars, five million at the uh, freezer G. Yep. Just not long ago for the Queen's birthday game. So, you know, they've got the government backing and all that sort of stuff. It's it's huge what they've been able to do. And they've actually, uh, just speaking to his daughter, she actually runs, she's the CEO of the company, um, which is Fight MND. But they're, they're 70% close to finding a cure for this disease. Now, go back, you know, I think Neil was diagnosed with it in 2011, 2012, yeah. I think. Like the the life the lifespan of this when you get this is five years. I mean, you think we diagnosed in two thousand eleven. It's you know yeah. eight years on. So incredible feat. He's um, done a tremendous job. But yeah, they're getting close, and it's it's well, you good. know it's ex- extraordinary what he's been able to do. Good on him too because he's obviously he's made a massive impact and you know well, stuff. Uh, he has, but I mean, I've seen recent footage of him going into and and they do this freeze at the G, but actually going into Melbourne and Collingwood the week of the game, and I mean the poor bloke can hardly talk. I mean, you can, you can hardly yeah. understand what he's saying. Yeah. But he's still going into these clubs and and giving a speech and, you know. It's a brutal Yeah, disease. if you if you want to see one of his latest speech to the Melbourne Footy Club, is unbelievable, oh, telling about his grandson. and um, But it, it's all about life lessons. And that's one of the things that I've, you know, it, it's in my DNA, it's ingrained in me through Neil, is focus on the process and don't worry about the result. 
And, you know, there's a, f- a famous time we were playing, I don't know who we were playing, but he came in at half time and said, if any of you players look at the scoreboard, I'm going to drag you. And no one got dragged in that second half because we just didn't worry about it. And we ended up winning the game. And it was just all about focus on the principles and that's what he's doing right now. So but get, extraordinary man. I guess when you put all of your highs and lows of your footy career aside, you, know, you can sit back and say that you've you've been influenced by one an absolute one of a kind oh, yeah. human being. I, I mean, mean, even like so, I um, don't know if you were, we're going to touch, but I suffered a stroke in 2007 and, you know, that just came out of the blue and... Um, you know, you don't wish that on anyone, but it turned out I had a hole in my heart. So I look back and go, how did I play all those games with a hole in my heart? So, so if they had found that when you were a young fellow, that the doctors would have said you're not allowed to play footy probably or not? Well, I don't know. Well, it might have helped me with my aerobic capacity because I was a terrible runner. I was, t- <laughs> I was always last in all my... And I, I text... And Neil texted me straight away when he heard about it. And I'll never forget this. And he said, um, your health is your wealth. And it's such a true saying. And coming from someone who's he's on his deathbed pretty much, um, you know, it's just to show the character of the man, and he's uh, yeah, he's like a father figure to me. He's always been there, and it's um, it's incredibly sad, but he's uh, he's 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 so um, he's so strong-minded to deflect that attention away from him yeah. to actually pointing it in the right direction, which he's certainly done over the last you know, five or six years now. Mm. So it's is huge. that what finished footy for you, the stroke, or was that post footy? No, no, no. I finished. I finished in 08, So um, yeah, it was post footy. Yeah. But I, I, I noticed. I actually, I actually caught with. I come up here at the end of one one year. I think it was 05. You know, when we went to the racetrack with, mm. with Scotty, and I invited my dad, and and I, I fainted at the hotel, and I, it was a bit weird, like he going had, from a. He had three beers, though. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Which but I went from a, a horizontal to a vertical position. I, I it was just a, a sort of a one-off, and then it started recurring after my footy career. Yeah, and that was because the hole in my heart. So yeah, right. And the stroke was compounded with that. So, uh, but thankfully they were able to find it because uh, you know when you when you have a stroke, you go through you know, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, all that sort of stuff. You know, you smoke it, no, you done drugs, no, all that sort of stuff, and they found something which was uh, got fixed, and I feel so much better for for mm. it. That's yeah. awesome. So, fellas, if you're not feeling real good, what's the message there? Well, actually, ironically, when I posted that, I had four mates go and have a checkup yep. afterwards, and two of them found that they had a regular uh, high blood pressure yep. uh, and a few of the symptoms that relates to stroke. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I guess us males feel a bit, bit, you know, a bit ego and a bit yep. bravo about doing that sort of stuff. You know, just go and get yourself checked out because, you know, I was pretty close to not being here. So yeah. I was pretty full on. Yeah, good. Yeah. Let's get into uh, what what you're passionate about now. I mean, you're obviously uh, – I spent a lot of time with you, but business, you're very business-minded and passionate about – Well, you've always known me to you, be – Yeah, I mean, you're very driven. You've, you've uh, always had some ideas and you've so always – We touched on it a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, with uh, Pete in here. Successful people, doesn't matter if it's sport or business, there's a mindset. So what what do you think set you apart from the other kids leading into the draft? What – what what mental you know attribute do you have that sets you apart that allows you to be successful in sport or successful in business? Not like what is it? Well, I wouldn't say I'm successful in business yet, but uh, I think you know over the last two years it's been re- like personally it's been a very big challenge. You know, yep. with stroke and all that sort of stuff and a lot of other things that have happened, and um, and I, I owe a lot to footy, but 
there's a motivation there, a resilience there that I, I just I still haven't put my finger on. I just wake up each day going, right, okay, this is going to be a better day. Yep. Um, but I look back and go, well, I, I was saying, I touched on before, was, uh, aerobically I wasn't a good runner. I was always last. It was incredible. Uh, but I'd get out and get my 20 possessions and was smart and find the footy. But I always knew that I was such a bad runner, I had to do extra. Yep. So I always did extra. So even at the club, we have our fitness trainer, but I had a personal fitness trainer. And, you know, we, uh, you know, always did extra weights, always did extra running, always did extra skills. So I, I think by having that, that lack of aerobic capacity that was comparison to everyone else made me work harder. And Sorry, uh, the family's just heading off to uh, puppy preschool. Oh, there. yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I guess that sort of ingrained a... Um, our, our mindset to, to always continue to get better. Yeah. You know? So that's what I always strive for. And I guess with all uh, the stuff I do now, so I I started a digital agency in 2010, which I still run to this day called White Echo. So we do all the Facebook and Twitter and yep. Instagram and Facebook ads and websites and all that sort of stuff. So I love the digital space. And did your sort of interest in that come from your own social media faux pas? Is that how you faux pas? Yeah, yeah. So 2009, I discovered Twitter. Yeah, and uh, you probably uh, I think you probably heard the story, but I started bagging the the Melbourne Footy Club, saying they were tanking, and yep. they, they were. Yeah, they found they were guilty, and anyway, so I had the press from everywhere uh, you could imagine ringing me, saying, "Did you say that on Twitter? And what's Twitter?" Yeah, so I knew there was a passion, there was a power there. So uh, I was working at a radio station here on the Gold Coast and started doing their uh, for clients on air, started doing their Facebook pages. Yep, and they said they were getting better. Uh, a better reach through Facebook than what they were on radio. Can you do it? Start doing this, do it? and that's where it started. Yep. And then in 2015, I've always been the entrepreneur, and it took me a while to work out what an entrepreneur is. And it's someone who actually creates, uh, solves a problem, yep. and then actually makes people's lives better. So in 2015, uh, I was having to kick at trees, kicking some goals at trees. Started raining, and um, we went inside in Kalani. My son, who's <laughs> he's actually here today, he's got a day off school, so I won't tell the teacher too much about that. But um, he said, Daddy, that was such good fun. Can we go to the sports store and buy some goalposts? And it just dawned on me. It's one of those moments where you think, it's like with, well, I was talking about you with the podcast. Yeah. You guys talk about this so much. Let's just, let's just do it. Yeah. Uh, and that's what the moment was for me in 2015. I wanted to solve that problem for him. So I created retractable glow-in-the-dark AFL and rugby goalposts for kids called post high so you can kick till the street lights come on and yeah, keep and kicking yeah and the, and the feature uh, people have asked me about that and i said well my mum and dad used to tell me to come in early and i didn't want to i yeah. wanted to keep playing footy so i added that feature in that's cool so yeah. and and it's obviously I've, I've checked it out it's afl and you've got you've got a rugby league got rugby as well, as well yeah. yeah yeah so so the little well you probably saw it online but the little retractable posts that fold up into a backpack so obviously afl has the two goals yeah and the two point posts yeah so ha- happy for you uh, and i said to dylan i've got a set in the car so happy to have as we're a giveaway all right yeah that, that's a, a good we might run a competition on facebook and yeah give away a, a set give away a set sounds so. good that's but awesome go thank check you it out everybody post high get uh, dot com. yeah great so, Christmas so where can they find them post high.com okay cool yeah yep. so just go to online and Go there. So yeah. So I've always been in that space to to solve stuff. I mean, we even Dylan and I, when I was playing footy, we had a we had a little uh, side business on the uh, when I was still playing footy, and we we did something together. So I've always been that person to try and 
solve a problem for someone. So can, can you do something for high jumpers? When I was a kid, I, I was a bit of a high jumper, believe it or not. Yeah. Dad used to put two star pickets <laughs> in the front yard and a bit of electrical conduit. <laughs> yeah, well, that's well, it's, it's, it's amazing. That is something that's on our that's on our uh, on our cards to do. But and a mattress. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's ama- been amazing how like well, I had a uh, a national sports expo or convention I attended last week. Yep. In Melbourne with Post High, and we had this particular person come up and. They've installed synthetic grasses everywhere, but they can't use the, the the corner posts for soccer. They can't use them anymore. Yep. So they said, we're going to use yours now. I'm like, oh, okay, perfect. Cool. And then agility posts, and then we had Cricket Australia come up to us, and um, they said that they're practicing a new feature at the moment. They're using um, – they've got a pipe stuck in up near the pitch, up near the batter. So it's all about not moving your head. Yep. And they said, we're going to use your post from now. That's like, cool. Perfect. So a lot of things have led to – our actual design, which is pretty pretty neat. Yeah, I like it. Hmm. Uh, what do you got? You got anything left? No, I mean the only one I and I wanted to touch on and what he just said, but his eldest Kalani, who's my godson as well, is here in the studio with us today. He's not well. If the teachers are listening, he's he's, he's struck <laughs> battling over there. He's, he's got his headset on, so he can't hear us. But he he's what? Watching, he, are you he's, watching he's, footy? He's watching the footy yeah, still. Yeah, he's yeah. been watching footy all day. It's crazy. But obviously, you know, as a parent. Who's played sport and I played a bit, but why do you haven't played sport? You want to see your kids get the same path. Like, obviously, now you're passionate about watching the boys, and you've got two younger twins as well. But talk to us about Kalani. Obviously, he's the eldest, but he's you think he's got a pretty promising career in front of him. And I've seen him play, and he's he's a gun for his age. He's yeah, he's an I, yeah. Look, and you know, everyone wants their their kids to be something, and yep. everyone lives their dreams through the kids and all that sort of stuff. I was, I guess, fortunate you know, I wanted to play AFL. That's what I wanted to do. So that was a dream of mine. But so I've just let him just do what he's wanted to do. Um, yep. And you know, I haven't got in the way. I haven't forced him, forced the issue whatsoever. But, um, you know, I get a lot of questions from the Melbourne faithful. I've done a lot of interviews in Melbourne and blah, 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 so on and so forth. And, and the only way I could say it is I never used to do stuff that he does at his age. You know, even last week, um, you know, his side, they didn't even kick a point. And they got belted by 15 goals. And he was BOG, took 15 marks and had probably close to 30 possession. I'm like, I never did that. Yeah. You know, so. So Demons fans, father-son rule. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, if, if you know, you've got to go through those teenage years, so, I guess. So how do you keep a lid on it, though? So hope, well, hopefully he can't hear us rapping him. But how do you keep a lid on he's it? When such, he's such a down-to-earth, humble guy. I mean, his godfather sitting right there would probably attest to that. But He's not a humble bloke. Have you ever seen <laughs> No, yeah, I know that. Um, <laughs> I won't lead him astray. He needs a new role model. <laughs> Um, he's just, it's, uh, he, he is, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. He's yeah, so I mean. down, he's so humble about That's it. That's good. Doesn't get a big head and uh, but it, doesn't know, even laugh about it. You know, when you say, oh, Kalani, you know, he, but he'll tell you, he'll tell you he's kicked a goal or whatever. He's excited about that, but he doesn't, he's just really, you know, um, he just loves his, he always got a footy in his hand. I mean, <laughs> I was just saying when I was driving here, I see Kalani, our car looks like, it, it seriously looks like a sports store. Yeah, we've got eight Sherrins sitting in our golf and in our in our car right now. It's crazy. Well, I, mean, I think in his case, I mean, he's he tried golf. You know, he was into his golf there for a while, and he was a you know, he, he showed promise with golf. I think he's just a natural natural yeah. athlete. But you Reminds watch him me of myself when I was a young fellow. <laughs> Definitely not you. But you watch him. I mean, I've watched him play a bit against guys his own age, and yeah, yeah I mean, he's 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 yeah, a standout, he's, and he's. 
And the other thing is too is I mean he's he's tall. He's five foot eight. He's twelve years of age. He's he's a monster. Yeah. Um, but he's so athletic. He's just you know we, in our sport you have to keep your feet and you have to be for a big fella. Of course you gotta you gotta be able to not lumber. Yeah. You know probably for your visual fans you're not you know. Don't be a giraffe, you know. You got to chop your feet. You got to be really quick and nimble. Can't look like big Andrew Bogut. No, you can't. You got to. You got to be really quick and nimble. And he never goes to ground. He's good below his knees. Picks the ball up. And I mean, he's just what three years in a row at All Saints just broken the high jump record. What do, What do you got? What What are you doing at twelve? What's uh, he got? He won forty one. He broke the record. So it's not. But he doesn't train. I'll tell you. One forty one, not forty one. This kid meter fifty two at the QSAC. Perfect. Grade eight. Get that India. <laughs> 52 Scissors. I couldn't do the flop. Once everyone yeah, started yeah. on the flop, I was, I was no good. Yeah, but yeah. Well, so, but kid had some legs on him, I tell you. <laughs> uh, so, so that shows he's got the athleticism to jump. Well, I was a good jumper. Yeah. So, I was a small ruckman. He's going to get up there. But I could jump. And, you know, I, my first dunk was I was in year seven. I dunked a basketball, which yep. you know how that is. So, um, so yeah. So, he, look, he has the attributes. Um uh, just see how it goes, but I, I I'm never forceful of that because I end I end you know you see some parents that are the kids are training three times a week they're doing Saturday sessions and stuff it could burn out you know I just mm. let him enjoy it just yep. you you've got to let kids enjoy it at this age particularly I, like I didn't start taking it really serious until I was fifteen sixteen when I had to decide between basketball and football yeah playing state basketball playing state footy and Melbourne okay. Melbourne I already know the answer but Melbourne are already I mean, they already look at him, keep an eye on him. They've had him down there for yeah. He's in the academy, so that's so we're talking about before they go yep. to the academy. So yeah, they're pretty, pretty keen. And there's uh, now I've just uh, just more recently, um, a few of my mates are um, play managers, so they're just dropping their messaging oh, by yeah. direct message. Oh, how's Kalani going? <laughs> yeah, I'm playing. I'm like, oh really? Uh, it's crazy to think, and I mean, I remember the day he was born, but it's crazy to think that potentially he's five years away from. That's all five years from being drafted. Yeah, yeah. Well, and not drafted, but into the AFL system. Into the AFL system. So, um, and and the way that sort of works, probably for your um, your listeners and and so on and so forth, is similar to Gary Ablett Junior. and um, the Savanis and all that sort of stuff. It's our father son. So, yep. um, you know, if it became that way, uh, Melbourne would basically just say, "Well, we'll pick him at pick forty. Does it? The, yeah, does a player have to play a certain number of games before? The club can have father and son. Yeah, you have to play 100. 100 games. But for the ladies... For, th- for that club or 100 AFL games? Uh, no, it has to be for that club. 100 for one club. 100 yeah. for one club, yeah. So, uh, But for the ladies, it's one. So okay. a mate of mine, he's got... Uh, his daughter is a really good footy player. She's only 14... Oh, no, she'd be a bit older than that, actually. Probably 15, 16. But he played over 100 games for Melbourne Footy Club. But because he only played one, now she's eligible to be father-daughter. Yeah, cool. At the footy club, which is really good. So you will see that happen a lot over the next decade, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, women, women's AFL is really moving ahead. Yeah, it's it? exploded. Well, I was thinking about it the other night. You're starting to see that some of the ladies that are really good athletes, but they're playing multiple sports. And it sort of reminded me of when AFL players used to play cricket. Yeah. Who was the last one to do that? Was it Simon O'Donnell or was it was there any others after him? Uh, well, I guess the more recent of times has been Falau and and Carmichael Hunt. Yeah, yeah, but not at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, but not literally at the same playing time, winter yeah. and summer nah, and different nah, sports. Yeah. So you like, 
I think Big Maxi Walker played for the yeah, Demons and played yeah. for yeah. Yeah, right Australia of Victor- uh, cricket. Well, so, well yeah, I mean, the best. I don't know if it was the same year, but Erin Phillips, who's been the best oh, AFLW yeah. player yep. for the last three or four years, she actually played basketball. Is she the one on the on Survivor at the moment? Mm, Who's on Survivor? Don't know. I haven't seen. I can't it. remember her name. Well, Hugh, Hugh Greenwood, who plays for the Adelaide, number one, very good player. Yeah, he played. Uh, he played for the Boomers. Yeah, right. And he played for uh, he played sta- um, college basketball. Yeah. So he played with some really good college basketball players too. Yeah. Okay. Um, so and he's been able to adapt, and he's a very good player mm. from Tassie. We're going to get into our final three questions because I reckon they're going to take us longer than they normal, normally do. <laughs> um, rapid fire, first thing that comes to your head, favourite place on earth for a beer? Hawaii, Waikiki Beach. That's a, that's a new one. I like it. Good. Good. I don't even know if we should bother asking. It's going to be this. I know the answer. Favourite athlete of all time? Well, yeah. yeah. The listeners at home can check Jeff's Twitter profile picture for yeah. the answer. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Michael Jordan. He's uh, so yeah. I guess I've got plenty of stories, but the the quick story about it is that my dad went to a conference. He was working for Pepsi at the time. Yeah, went for a conference in Chicago in '87. Came back and said, and Jordan had actually he drafted in '84, and I was a big basketball. I like I played more basketball than footy, and um, Jordan had actually been injured, broke his ankle, so he'd been injured for two or three years. So he hadn't really played. Yeah, but he was all over everywhere in Chicago. But we didn't have social media back then. No one was really talking about it. And he brought back Bulls 23 and said, this guy's going to be pretty big. I think you should follow him. That's how it started. I and his middle so name's Jeffrey. It's about the same way. I bought my kid some Air Jordan. So that, there's marketing for you. Like, I was, you know, don't send a dad to do, <laughs> do the practical shopping. We're walking past. I'm like, I never had Jordans as a kid, but my older brother did. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get him set. And he's like, he doesn't even rate him. He's got no idea. No, <laughs> doesn't like him. I want to show you something. This is uh, for the for the people at home. I've, I've I've got this from the safety deposit box for just for tonight. <laughs> I want you to check these out. Oh, that's crazy. That is crazy. So as a kid, Saturday mornings. Yeah, yeah. Like that's yeah, it's crazy. And so you know, looking at this, the crazy one is the '84. Like so so people listening, I've got uh, I've got a bit of a basketball card collection. From, yeah. from the '90s. Well, I flip over and I see obviously the. That's shack. my retirement fund. How much? There's, what? Ten thousand? Twenty thousand? What do you reckon? Uh, like that '84 one is crazy. I, I would, I'd hate to think what that's worth. So don't give out the location Let's roll of the body. pod. We're rolling before <laughs> we go. <laughs> well, that is that is crazy. Yeah. Can, so I, I don't know if you guys can share the story. Do you know what this this story? That's I'm his hoping, card. I'm hoping you can tell the story, and it's why the pod started. Basically, you guys met him. No, why did why did well? Before we go on, did he beat you or did you beat him the day you played golf with him? MJ. Yeah. No, we played together. Oh, you're same team? Yeah. So, uh, what, versus Bill Murray or what? Tell, no, no, please. no. So, so Tell uh, the story. Well, so obviously, uh, well, I don't know if Dylan's mentioned in the previous podcast, but he's good friends with Adam Scott. So, And that's how I Are met Are you kidding? Yeah. Every time he takes his hands out of his there pockets, it's all it's the names fall on the floor. Like, yeah, yeah, there you go. name <laughs> drop you've ever met. Uh, so, and I didn't know that before I met Dylan, actually. When I went to the Masters, he said, I was on the phone, and Dylan said, go and put him on, and that's how I met Scotty. So we've been really good mates for a while. And so I went over to Chicago in 2011. Yep. And um, I happened to be there. To I try and tie it in to go and see Adam. Like, I'm going there in a couple of weeks as well to watch Adam play in the BMW. So I love going to watch him play. I'm a mad golfer, and I love all that sort of stuff. But at this particular one, went in there, and 
And it always it was always the way, wasn't it? When Scotty would say, "When you're flying home," because I'd go and see him play at Coolum or whatever. And um, I said, "I'm flying home Sunday night." He said, "You better change it because we're playing with MJ on Monday." And I was, cr- yeah, to to think that, that would happen and it eventuated. So we threw. We, so there was. He's he's got three best mates that he plays golf with: Billy Sackers, Billy Olsen, and Billy Whitney. Three Billies. So two Billies were there, Billy Whitney and Billy Sackers. Yep. And their favourite golfer is Scotty. So I kid you not, and our other friend is Johnsy, and he still lives in Chicago. So we throw the balls up. Billy, Billy are playing with Scotty. MJ, Johnsy and myself are playing together. So we play as a, th- th- we play as a six. Fair grouping. Yeah, fair grouping. We play as a six. MJ's drinking vodka. Happily given to him from Johnsy's wife, who works for a vodka company. Yep. Smoking cigars. We're up. They press us on the 18th hole. I have a 25-footer. And I didn't realise, but I had a shot. I was the only one who had a shot up the last and binned it. And we're chest pumping with MJ. Um, he said, see, I inspire not only black guys, but I inspire white guys as well. That was his comment. <laughs> but as we were playing, there was a group of four in front of us. And this guy kept on coming back, asking questions, asking questions. How'd you go? How'd you go? And then on that particular putt, MJ's giving me the chest pump, turned around and pointed at this guy. Well, anyway, several months later, I found out that that putt was worth 25 grand. So I won MJ 25 grand. So to this day, MJ still says that I'm his best golfing partner because I actually won him that money. <laughs> That's ridiculous. So, uh, just Did you get a cut? No, no. So just recently, uh, I organised, because with Post High, I was in, uh, Gary Abler Jr. was involved. Yep. And still to this day, sort of involved. So as a thank you, I wanted to get him a – he's a mad basketball fan, by the way. And so as a thank you, I wanted to get a signed Michael Jordan um, basketball. But he doesn't sign anything. Yeah. So through Johnsy and through Tony Kukox, who's another – Yeah, uh, Bulls player, Bulls number player. seven. He, Yep, number seven. Uh, he was going down to play golf with MJ. And so he had a basketball. True story. Gave the basketball to MJ. He said, look, can you sign this to Gary? Best wishes, Michael Jordan. He goes, look, I don't sign anything. He said, it's for Whitey. Yep, I'm signing it. And I got it done. So that's it was good. So that's it's a really good story. And so uh, I'm going to shake your hand because <laughs> that hand, that hand, <laughs> played golf. I think I, I was saying, I was telling the story to Big Red off air, but was it only a couple of weeks ago you text MJ for his birthday? Yeah, and replied. Yeah, so we're still, we're still, replied. still chatting to this day. So you reckon you could send that book over to him? <laughs> <laughs> I actually was thinking when I saw it, I thought I better. But you know what? Like. It, it, you said before that everyone said Michael Jordan. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how many people And I, I'm the same. I never would have thought that I would have met this guy. And through Adam, I was so, ever so grateful for that opportunity. But um, that day, and the special moment about it, and I tell people this, is that some sometimes people have met their idols and been really disappointed. Yeah. We were on the putting green. MJ came last. He walked across. It was just like the, the scariest moment of my life. And he was given, just got stuck in a Scotty straight away because it was before the President's Cup. He's a fierce competitor, right? We've oh, spoken yeah. about it on the and show. And he was just getting into Scotty straight away. It was so funny. The amount of st- st- shit that he gave to Scotty and banned the whole tournament was, um, uh, for the whole round was amazing. But anyway, so there's this little kid there with his dad. And they weren't dressed to play golf, but they were just yep. there. And anyway, so MJ went around, shook everyone's hand, get a whitey, get, you know, the nicknames, all that sort of stuff. And I was just, this kid was sitting there and he's come over to him and he said, hey, I know your mum's going through and her, his mum was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. And he goes, I'm here for you today. Let's get a photo. Let's cheer her up. And, and it was just the most uh, amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life. You know, it, this is my idol, but he's doing this, you know, yep. and it was great. So it was, 
So, um, yeah, this, this golf course that we played called Old Elm. Um, when I got back from Chicago, I landed. Johnsy said, call me straight away. So I called him. He said, look, I, I hope you don't mind, but MJ wanted your number. And I've given it to him, and I had a voice call from, from him. So I had to put it in my phone as the golf course Old Elm instead of MJ. <laughs> so I've been still been in contact with him ever since. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I, reckon, I reckon you need to hit up. I beat Dylan the last time we played golf, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> I reckon nice. We should, we should hit it up. When, when Scotty's home, me and Whitey versus you and Scotty, I reckon we'll stitch his up. Yeah, easy. <laughs> you, you, need more, you need more than Scotty to help you. <laughs> I've seen you play. No, it's me and Whitey versus you and Scotty. Okay, we're on. <laughs> yeah. Not for money, though. <laughs> uh, last one. It's, you've been a brilliant guest. Really appreciate it. Last question. Four people over for a beer and, and some barbecue. Who do you invite and what are you cooking? You can have anyone from history. I'll bring them back from the dead for you if you like. Well, MJ's number one. Yeah. Um, I probably have – I have to have some like uh, Elon Musk – yeah, that'd be good. That's a that's the best answer so far. Um, yep. As an entrepreneur, um, oh jeez, Kate Beckinsale. Mm. I love Kate. She would have to be there. Get her there after dinner. <laughs> what's, she, what's she out of? She's out of Pearl Harbor. Uh, yeah. Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah right. Ben yep. Affleck. Yep. Um, and my fourth would have to be another sporting person, but um, I don't know. It'd have to be a golfer. Um, I don't know. Uh, Tiger. No, I would actually love to have a chat with Freddie Couples. There you go. Yeah, that's good. So, I guess that's my four. Like the Beck and Kate to have a perv on, I guess. But uh, uh, yeah, I love I love my golf, so that's a bit of a. But MJ there for sure. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. You're welcome here in the sweaty box anytime <laughs> you like. It's actually not too bad in here tonight. The winter months have been kind to us. The puffer jacket, but I'm starting to sweat up now. Do, do you want to throw? <laughs> do you want to throw any Twitter handles out there for people can find follow along? Uh, I'm just Jeff White 34. Yep. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Post high, go check it out. Yeah, check yeah. out Post High. Uh, obviously, you can find us at, at Beers and Banter on all the platforms. Uh, Junior did call earlier. He's he's back and we are on the Rabbitohs this Rabbitohs week. Rabbitohs minus one and a half at a dollar ninety something. So we need to come good because the nipper season's starting and uh, the kids need to hit the water and I can't show my face until we give them a thousand bucks. So <laughs> <laughs> let's get on that and we'll come up with a competition to uh, for the post high. Whatever you want to do, yeah, yep. go for it. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, favorite pod yet. Uh, Cheers, Whitey. No worries. See, see you next week. Cheers. Thank you.